great future. We're talking real money. Wow. Look at those stars. The sky is full of stars. No, it really isn't. But Morningstar is full of stars, and we're going to talk a little bit about that on Talking Real Money today. Uh, Morningstar is actually a fascinating publication. I have been using, it's not really a publication anymore, it's a website. But I've been using Morningstar since the 80s, back when it was a little printed newspaper magazine thing that came and you put them in binders, and I had like, you know, it's it was an eight-inch thick book of pages of uh, descriptions of mutual funds and that's all they did back then was mutual funds too today they do a little and i bit can of remember i can remember and this is tom cock that's don mcdonald i was gonna get to, to who we are. money I'll, I'll i'll break in with that but i remember the day uh where i went to see you do the show in colorado and you had the book people would call and say what about the parnassus blah blah mm-hmm. blah and you dig into it you did it with stocks too they used to have stocks in there too no 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 i did the stocks Didn't with they? standard and poor's ah, stock okay, guys i just remember that too. and, You're and the standard and poor stock guides were like five <laughs> green volumes for the new york stock exchange a couple of red <laughs> volumes for the american and like three blue volumes for the nasdaq and that man was that thing? a lot of work yeah now i just type it in Right there on that screen. I know. It's so easy. Uh, but anyway, so Morningstar, you, some of you may know Morningstar for, like Don just said, you can go there. You can put any mutual fund in there and pay nothing, and they will tell you performance, yep. what you're paying. It's pretty fascinating. They give you all the stats. But Morningstar became well-known back in 84. They started their star system. Um, I've never made the star system. Have you ever been on the star system, Don? I've never made it, but I, your, your star is brighter than mine. But um, um, so, I think I no. think somebody once bought me a star <laughs> on the International star. star Registry. Remember those <laughs> oh, late night? Oh, yeah. Those oh, late yeah. night. I love those commercials on the radio. We don't we don't buy those in Seattle because you can never see the sky here. Right. So why would I buy a star I can never see? So um, it, it, all kidding aside, please the star system was where they graded, I think they graded uh, mutual funds and stocks for a time. Five stars is excellent, one star is poor. So they used to look at mutual funds and mm-hmm. give them a rating. Like, ah, oh, here's here's why, or here's, here's a five-star fund, here's a one-star fund, et cetera. And people would use those oh, I know. to determine which ones to buy. People would call me up on the show and go, oh, hey, there's a Morningstar says this is a five-star fund. And my answer was, it was a five-star fund because everything they did, and they said so, everything they did was they looked at past performance and they gave it a star based on what it did in the past. What does that tell you about the future? Well, and John Reckenthaler just wrote a great piece. Of course, we know his his fine work at Morningstar. And uh, he admits that uh, for many years, by the way, if you're in the right type of stock, if you own those in a fund, you got a higher rating because that type of like large cap growth did really well. So your your fund looked good. So you look like a genius, right? So, right. Uh, and people did believe in the star system. I can remember it 20 years ago uh, when I was on television. People used to ask me more about that. But here's the thing. Um, I love this. I absolutely love reading things that fascinate me. And this is one of them because you haven't heard as much about it lately. And there was a study uh, maybe 15 or 20 years ago that found that uh, the star system, again, the five being the best, one being the worst, um, was really good at telling you what's happened, but it wasn't very good at being predictive. And here's what Reckenthaler says. <laughs> the star ratings results are often predictable 
in hindsight, the star rating results oh, predict- oh, that makes <laughs> me helpful. I am the best market <laughs> prognosticator ever. Exactly. Then I have always gotten the market right in hindsight. I knew you told I, us to buy Bitcoin. You told us to buy. I, I did. Tesla. I told you, you to buy Bitcoin. To, I told you to buy Bitcoin at uh, six thousand dollars today. Exactly. Go yeah, back go. and buy it at six thousand. You'll be very happy. You'll be very, very happy. I told you so, in April that the stock market would go down in March. I did. Go. I got You're so it right. Good at looking back and telling us what that happened. is the dumbest. Okay, um, John, that is it's a, not a very smart. Quote. No, yeah, it's not. A that's a dumb quote. statement. And by the way, for those of you listening at home, which is where you're listening or in your car, Tom is not being abducted by aliens. The reason his voice sounds wacky is because Uh-oh. he's sending it over the internet to me oh, from no. Seattle to Florida. So that's why he sounds like a, uh, a, a, a an Android talk show host. Well, and maybe I should be an Android talk show host. I don't know. Okay, so back to this. So here, this is the, this leads me to the question at hand that comes up really all the time. What mutual funds should I own and how do I pick them? Oh, gosh. Pardon me for the P. Yeah, People you, ask us all the time. I, there's how many, like 6,000 mutual funds, right? And yeah. I don't know how many exchange traded funds. There's oh, a lot more. to try to choose from. And people are like, well, so out of that entire universe, if I don't use the star system, which we do not think you should, how do we find the ones? I have the answer. And what's nice about this answer is I am consistent with this answer. I have been using the exact same answer, and it has not worn out yet. For 30 years, I've been using the exact same answer. Don't pick the funds to own. Eliminate the funds you shouldn't own. Because All right, so let's eliminate some. Of the 6,000 out there, I would guess you could yeah. immediately eliminate half because they're loaded. With a, they, with a front they load, have side a commission. load. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Either A shares, B shares, or C shares. No commissions. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't care if it's ARC, easily. super ARC size, whatever it is. That no easily gets yeah. rid of half of the fund. Okay. Of those that are left, we know this number. Of those that are left... A little over half of those you can eliminate because you're going to eliminate anything that's actively managed. Which means? That somebody's predicting the future, not the past. Oh, that's right. We just found out you can in hindsight, but the future future is a tough one. The future. So now we're down probably to 20% or less of all the funds out there. So now we're down to about 1,200. And now it's a process of selection. Now what you want to do is look for low fees and funds that are well diversified that meet your goals that fit your purposes and you know so those can be we don't care really if they're from dimensional funds or Schwab or Fidelity or Vanguard or whomever it might be as long as you're building the proper portfolio for your needs and tolerance of risk. And we can we can get rid of a few more there too, by the way, because I think you can get rid of sector funds, right? I mean, we don't really want you. Oh yeah, we can get rid of sectors too. You're right. Sector we can fund. kill those off. Um, we also don't want you, you know, sort of chasing the new hot ideas because there's exchange traded funds now. About I think isn't there going to be one on sports betting? I mean, there's all these sort of new things that are really cool that I got to get into. You don't want to really own those. Um, but let me ask you a question about this. So a uh, process of elimination, we give you free funds, sort of starters at uh, TalkingRealMoney.com. Nine funds. We give you nine, nine funds, funds, three, three at Fidelity three and three from Schwab and three from Vanguard, correct, that mm-hmm. you can go own. Mm-hmm. So, but how long, I mean, how do people, 
This is also, how long do people invest in a fund before looking at the performance and saying it's underperforming, I got to get out of it? If, if it's doing what the market's doing, it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. Yeah, that's a good answer. That, that, you don't. You don't. If, if you have, for some strange reason, now remember, we said you want to buy index or passive funds. So you just want to mimic the market that you're buying, whether it's small cap, large cap, all, total market, whatever it is. You want to emulate it. But, okay, let's say you have an index fund that dramatically underperforms the index. Well, yeah, you should get out of that because somebody messed up. But that's not going to happen because index funds happen. match the index. Yeah. yeah, no, I think that's a very, very good way to put it. You design your asset allocation at the highest level, stock to bond ratio. Then you should have on the stock side, I'd say a, a portfolio that holds eight, nine, ten thousand stocks if you can do it. Up you can to 13, do it in, which is almost yeah, all of you them. Could, right. Dimensional will be a little bit more. Here's, the, here's another thing I think people should consider. You can buy the equivalent of most mutual funds now as exchange-traded funds for a lower cost and with greater tax efficiency. Yep. ETFs are taking over the world. And so there may be reason to look at that if you've been a user of mutual funds. And we dragged our feet for a while. We're careful. We are. We're careful about just running off and trying something new. And, and people always ask me why. I'm like, well, because we manage $600 million of other people's money. So and, it's not my and money. And the lose. flash crash was scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That 2010, the right? Yeah. ETFs were too new then, and they really didn't know how they would react to a major sell-off. And in some cases, they did not react well at all, which scared not just us, but it was another reason to say, let's be a little more patient. But we, we can confidently state now, I think, that ETFs that are based on a very broad index or uh, asset class are not likely to deviate much from what the market does. That's true. That is very, it seems that has all worked its way out, which we hoped it would. So, yeah, and we've, we use uh, ETFs from a couple of fund families, one of them Avantis, which we find to be very fine, which you don't have to have an advisor to go buy. You can go do those on your own. Schwab so. has ETFs. Vanguard yep. has ETFs. Fidelity has ETFs. Dimensional is bringing ETFs out e- e- yep. ETFs. Yep, it's the thing. It is all the rage. 855-935-TALK. If you have a question, that's the number to call. You can also... Talk with one of our advisors if you have a really involved question. Set up a meeting with them at veststory.com. No cost, no obligation. And the best part, you're not even going to get sold anything. Uh, or you go to talkingrealmoney.com and type in your question or click on the microphone button and you can ask your question there. Hey, Don and Tom. Uh, thank you so much for the podcast. It's really good to hear your voices every weekend. I have a question about the three funds that you recommend on your website. Is it okay to do DRIP for any of them? Thank you. Bye. Dividend reinvesting? Yeah, in other words, so to sort of just put money in on a regular no, basis. No, he's talking about a DRIP. Well, that, that'd be dollar cost averaging. Dripping, yeah. dripping is just having your dividends and capital gains reinvested back into the fund, which, yeah. Well, you, uh, yeah. You should. So, I mean, Don't take yeah, them. I think you... Yeah, I mean, unless you're looking to create income out of your portfolio, you could, that is one method of doing it. You mm-hmm. could do it that way. You're paying taxes on those either way. So, um, and I'm, I'm talking, by the way, now in a 
taxable account, not a qualified account like an IRA. Obviously, you're not paying taxes there. So no, I mean, and, and this is <laughs> when people talk about returns, oftentimes, uh, when certain insurance companies are promoting products, they say the market's only made blank a year. They always forget the part about the dividends. Mm-hmm. They always seem to like, oh, they forgot that that, that pays out somewhere around 2% a year to the return overall. So yeah, I'd rather see you put the money back in uh, to those funds, let that grow, uh, but you don't have to. And, and by the way, way, reinvestment is default on on most of these things. Indeed, it is. Um, you have to ask for the dividends to be paid out. So, I mean, I, I I don't have a fund that I I think everything's reinvesting unless I'm rebalancing. I um, think all mine are as well. So, yeah, that. The, but uh, you you could do it either way. As I said, the only time I would turn those on to go into the cash part of your portfolio would be if you were trying to create income, and that could be part of the income stream. And if you meant dollar cost averaging into them, yes, once you've meet, uh, met the minimum, which in the case, the only one with a big minimum is Vanguard, which is $3,000. Once you've met that minimum, then you can average in with any amount subsequently. And as a matter of fact, almost all of these funds, I know Fidelity will for sure, they'll waive any minimum as long as you commit to dollar cost averaging to putting it in from a bank account for periodic withdrawals. And you could actually, I think, even get around that by owning the exchange-traded fund equivalent of each of those and buy... Fractional shares, even. Fractional shares. I mean, you could put whatever money you can into them. So it's pretty easy to do all that in today's world. And you can do it so many places. It's amazing. The number of places you can buy VT or any... I mean, it's everywhere right without those without those any sort of commissions on them thank you so much for your call we appreciate all the questions we get we've got a bunch of them we'll keep answering them every day on the podcast and on the show on saturdays that becomes a podcast 855-935-TALK that is our number 24 hours a day seven days a week you can also send questions in typing them or recording them at talkingrealmoney.com on the contact form and if you want to talk with one of our advisors at vestry go to v-e-s-t-o-r-y.com scroll down to the bottom of the page make an appointment and if you like what you're hearing today, you're really going to like Saturday because Saturday is a live version of this. We get people, I've got a guy called me for the other day who lives in California, listens every Saturday in California. You can listen to the show it's live no matter easy. where you are in the world. It's, as it's a matter of fact, if you go to talkingrealmoney.com, I even have a live listen link right on the front page. There you go. Yeah. So, and then you could ask your question live. You could call and harass Don about all manner of things which he deserves harassment for. So, Saturdays at noon Pacific, three Eastern, live talking oh, real thank money. You, thank so you for remembering is. those of us on the East Coast. I try to yeah. as little as possible, but I do. You know, come on. All righty. I think we did it. Another podcast in the can. We should get the heck out of here so I can edit this it. thing. Yeah. Let <laughs> me just edit it. I'll take out. Why does it never need I'll that? take yeah. out all the bad parts. The part about you being a robot, maybe. No, I'm going to leave that <laughs> in. Thanks Please for being do. there. I'm Don. That's Tom. Uh, go to talkingrealmoney.com. Tell your friends about the podcast because we love hanging out talking real. Talking real money. 
realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That's a wrap.